We are back for another episode of What's Brewing, Sis? I'm Shelly. I'm Bianca. And I'm Deanna. And here we come together to serve the brew. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> our so, big announcement last week. Our big announcement last week, the coffee. Oh, we have finally released our coffee to the world. We are so excited and so overwhelmed by, so we were originally supposed to release on the 29th. Um, we said, let's get some pre-orders. Why not? You know, we'll see if a couple people ordered and everyone ordered. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you for the pre-orders yes. and orders to come. And, and more orders and, and your requests. ordering, yes. yes. You guys have given us some special requests, so we're working on it. Yes, we we uh, got in touch with our roaster and he, is, he got some stuff coming for us. So yes. we're absolutely excited. So... Hold on, deep captors. We got it. Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> so much fun. Yes. 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 So, yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We got into uh, what's happening. Yep. So we gave everyone an update on our cafe, how we're moving. You know, we got so many irons in the fire with that. We released our coffee, our transformation Thursday. So. Um, it was kind of a, a good time to give everyone an update because we kind of, you know, been holding our cards a little bit, yeah, just trying to figure everything out. But um, we had a lot of good feedback. Everyone was pretty excited. Yeah, we're navigating through a lot, and um, yeah, my my sales hat is on. So <laughs> every day I'm checking our email. I'm looking out for for orders, and I'm just, you know, absolutely amazed. One comment that we definitely be edited out, but. Um, this is not going to be the next episode after last week's episode. No. So, so we're okay, recapping. Right. We're recapping the wrong episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, what we what did we say? We we said what's happening now. So yeah. Back. Okay. All right. Well, this week we want to restart. Uh, we don't have anything we can do so, so we can not keep Renee waiting. Let's just get let's Renee do it at the end. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So today, guys, we are talking the money. Yes, money, money, yes. Money. money matters is our topic for today. We're going to talk about all things finance related, you know, how money was or was not explained to you as a child, mm-hmm. um, how you, you know, discuss money with your children. You know, we really want to break some of the generational generational bad habits that have occurred uh, when it comes to money. Yeah. Yeah, money is one of those. It depends on the family. It could be a scary topic. Yeah, like some people don't want to talk about it. It's very taboo, and some people are more open about it. I think, as far as our generation, at least us as friends, we are more talking to our kids about money, yeah. drilling this down. Like, look, credit. This is what you do with money. Saving your money, business ventures. Absolutely. You know, just really getting them into it because. I feel I, like the more you talk about it, the more money you could be out there to, to make. That yeah. part. Like, that talk part. about it, be transparent <laughs> about it, and open. And, yeah, it's not, it shouldn't be a scary thing, but I know for many people that it is, because everybody's really trying to hold on to what they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we thought, you know, it would be a good idea to bring in an expert to talk about this subject. Absolutely. So without further ado, Miss um, Renee Collins is our guest today. <laughs> Hey. Hi, Renee. Hey there, ladies. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing I am well. doing well. I'm doing well. And thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. 
Oh, we appreciate you. For yes, joining. we appreciate you. So, just to kind of give you some back, our guest, the Brew Crew, some background. We met you at the Dreamers event. We kind of recapped that a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great networking opportunity for like-minded women who are interested in business or have a, their own business. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, but really supportive and collaborative, and just looking to grow our network, and you know. Encourage other women. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was amazing. And I think Shelly started talking to Renee and I kind of snuck over a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting Renee at the event, but they both spoke very highly of you afterwards. And I was like, oh, I saw her. But I didn't get a chance to meet you. So glad I got a chance to meet you afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now you're here. <laughs> so Renee, give our audience a uh, your background, um, tell us what you do and and where they can find you. Absolutely. So well, they know my name. Um, I am a CPA, financial planner, and I am based in the south suburbs of Chicago. So my office is located in Olympia Fields, and I'm also the founder of a company called Retire Ready. Retire Ready focuses on empowering, educating, and helping what I call the first generation of wealth builders to do three things. And that is save more money, invest smart, and to build wealth. And not just for today, but for generations to come. So that's really what I do in a nutshell. And as far as where they can find me, you can find me online. I do have a website. It is uh, retire ready to or retirereadyinc.com. So you can find me with either one of those URLs. And then I'm pretty much all over social media. So I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So with the, um, well, for LinkedIn, it's under my name, Renee Collins. And for Instagram, you can find me under Retire Ready 2, as well as for Facebook, it's under Retire Ready 2. Okay. And we'll definitely post that here for everyone to uh, jump on your page and explore. I, I went on there, so <laughs> um, a few things. I think you're going to be hosting something soon, or the possibility I, of hosting something. I am. I, I am. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a lunch and learn that's going to be next Friday. That is what September 30th, mm-hmm. and I will post that information on my social media pages and. It's going to be information about creating a budget, you know, and I know no one likes that term budget, you know, so, uh, but it's really going to be, you know, how do, how do we manage our money around all this uncertainty? So that's yeah. going to be pretty much what I'm going to be talking about. So stay tuned. Very, very cool. important. Thank you very much. So we also always like to start off with a few icebreaker questions. And since we're talking about money, I, I pulled up some questions that are Icebreakers, but money related. Okay. Um, okay. And it may overlap with uh, some of the questions we had before. I hope not. That's but, okay. You know, we, we did some questions. We, we got to know Renee's that. answer. Renee, talking to you, I'm already ready to retire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see what you guys got. Okay. If you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about your financial life, what would it be and why? So if I could wave a magic wand, what would I change? Mm, that's a really good question because 
What I would say is what I would love to change is I would like to go back to my 20s and have the financial literacy then that I have now. Yeah, that's that's what I would love to do, you know, because it would it would make such a big difference. You know, oftentimes people think that because I'm a financial planner that, oh, you know, life has been perfect and you got it all together. But what I have discovered in my industry is that oftentimes people come into this industry because they've had an experience with money that has changed them. You know, yeah. and I'm, I'm no different. So, you know, when I started my career, I started my career and I was working with a CPA firm at that time. And eventually I would go on to work with a, a, a different company. But in my tenure in working in corporate America, I lost my job not once, but twice. Yeah. And that first time that I lost my job, it was a bit of a shock to me. And I wasn't prepared. I didn't have the emergency fund, you know, but I still had bills to pay. You know, I had a mortgage. I had student loans. I was a single mom. So I had a young son and my only source of income, it was gone. Had I had the financial literacy and education that I have today from day one, I would have been saving my money for that rainy day. Because it's not a matter of if it's coming, it's a matter of when it's coming. And when it does come, you want to be prepared. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to steal a little bit of Renee's <laughs> answer. Uh, I still, I feel like even, you know, at 42, I'm still learning things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish I knew then what I know now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I understood living within your means and also the importance of saving money, yeah. the importance of uh, credit, because mm-hmm. um, I just tore my credit up in my 20s because, you know, I, I was never told about credit and right. what to do with credit or um, why don't you save for this item and pay cash? Mm-hmm. Um, and also I probably would have made different, um, you know, employment decisions with jobs. Oh, um, yeah. So I would have probably been, you know, more well off now. Yeah. Um, had I had the knowledge that I have now then. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it would be, um, how to stretch a dollar. Um, and save more, even if it's a little, that little, you know, adds up to a lot over time. So I definitely wish I would have uh, held on to my first paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I wish I would have made the dollar uh, stretch a bit more. Uh, luckily for me growing up, my father was a big proponent on never get a credit card. Don't get a credit card. And I think that helped me a lot because I didn't get my first credit card. So I was well into my 30s at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think the drawback to that is I kind of wish I was building that credit, you know, at yeah. a younger age. So he helps me save some, I think now, but I think now it's like, okay, a, a credit card here or there is not too bad. And you're doing it the right way. The so. right way is mm-hmm. the key. The right way the is right. the key. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my magic wand wave would also be to know what I know now, <laughs> um, probably maybe even a little before I hit my 20s, um, from the time I entered the workforce, I think, yeah. would be, uh, which was at 15, but definitely before hitting college when they have all the 
uh, yeah. vendors out just throwing credit cards at you when you walk across campus. But, um, but yeah. yeah. It's a sad that was and so that was kind of our experience in college we went to the same college freshman year and literally we had freshman orientation we walked out the gymnasium and every credit card company had a table mm-hmm. and they were like come sign up for credit and we did <laughs> so we did it was like okay cool we got these credit cards i didn't have a job i'm in a whole nother state i didn't have a job and i was just Going to town. So, yeah. I think we've all experienced that. Yeah, I think we, yeah, I think we all experienced that because it was the same thing for me. You know, they gave us what a t shirt, <laughs> you know, right. water bottle. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. You know, but no one was having, you know, the discussion around education and, you know, what do you do with this credit card and you need to have a job you know, so that you can actually pay this back. It's not free money, you know, and it's funny because in in one of my online courses, you know, I have, um, I talk about this experience in college and how, you know, I quickly ran up, you know, like $500 or so in credit card debt. And the only thing that I can remember is the Prince poster that was hanging on my wall in the dorm. <laughs> I have no idea what else I spent the money on, you know? Yeah. I can't even tell you where that money went. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it went to like, you know, the beauty supply store and pop so, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Fun activity. So yeah. what else you exactly. got? So the next question is, um, what's your favorite memory about money from your childhood? Ooh, my favorite memory about money. Mm. You know what I would have to say is growing up, um, we grew up on the west side of Chicago. And one of my favorite memories is I think it would have to be, you know, getting a few bucks in my pocket and hanging out with my cousins and going to the candy store. (laughs) I love that. What, what was your candy of choice? Is that penny candy time? It was. It was penny yeah. candy. And I mean, that was back in the day when penny candy was actually a penny, you know? Yeah. <laughs> now, laters, you know, I don't know if you guys remember like Buzz Daddies. Do you remember those those, those long uh, pieces of gum, you know? Or oh, maybe I'm dating myself. Now, laters. Now, laters. Now, laters. Now, ladies, definitely remember the now, ladies, the slim jims, the long johns. Absolutely, absolutely. All of that, you know. So, those those are, I think, you know, fond memories that I have. And, you know, I think what's significant there is probably not so much as, you know, just having the money itself, but, you know, just like today, it's it was about family. You know, it was really just, you know, spending time hanging out with my cousins. You know, we have a little money and we go and go to the store. We come back and girl, we would have like candy parties, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what you get, what you get, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, I think those are, you know, some of my, you know, my fun memories around, you know, uh, in my youth, you know, with money. I think mine is similar. Um, being feeling financially free by getting birthday money or Christmas money. So it's like, I got money, you can't tell me nothing. Like, if I wanted something, 
And then, you know, my mom or whoever I was at the store with said no. I was like, well, I got my own money. So I can buy whatever it is that I want. So that Mm -hmm. freedom. And it's funny because I still have those like feelings when I'm like, when I have extra, like real extra money, you know, I think you have extra money, but you don't. And I'm like, well, I can buy something this pay period. (laughs) So. I still have that feeling. Yeah, I was going to say the same, like, birthdays, you know. Um, uh, Luckily, my birthday falls around the memorial holiday, so a lot of times my mother would incorporate my birthday with the, like, backyard barbecue for the holiday, Mm -hmm. which means it's going to be a lot of adults and kids that I get birthday cards with money in them, so it's like... Tooper and I scored. <laughs> Absolutely. Same, same answer. My father gives me birthday money every year, still to this day at 42. Uh, so uh, that remains a, fav- a favorite memory. But yes, I was out there. You know, that money back then and, and even now, <laughs> it would seem like so much. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. yeah, he would take it to the candy store or he would take us to like up the flea market and we would just spend our, our little money that we thought was big money. Yeah, was big money. I had a whole little wallet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. I thought I was doing big things. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what was one way you used money in the last year that you feel particularly good about and why? Mm. Well, you know what? Uh, that one is actually an easy one for me because I'm a big proponent, proponent of education. So mm-hmm. for me, it could be a book that I bought that helped me mm-hmm. learn more about money because I like to take the knowledge that I have gathered and apply it to help my clients. You know, Mm -hmm. so it could be a book, you know, and I have so many books that I'm trying to think like, oh, as as a matter of fact, there is a book that I bought within the last year that is that I really enjoy. And that's the psychology of money. Mm -hmm. Um, That has been I really like that one. I'm actually reading it for the second time just because, you know, and you guys probably know this, that, you know, money is not just about, you know, you know, budgets you know, Mm -hmm. just spending. It is very, very emotional. You know, it's very, you know, it impacts our, you know, our our psychology, you know, how we, you know, grew up and the environments that we grew up in, you know, all of that has an impact on the way that we manage money today. So I would have to say purchasing that book and, you know, it just really, it just really opens my eyes to, you know, some of the ways that, our, com- our communities, our, uh, our stories, you know, all of that, how that impacts our behavior with money. Okay. What was the question? That- what is one way you use money in the last year that you feel particularly good about? Okay. The reason I had to ask that again, I have so many questions about what she just said that I want to circle back to later. But um, I, pu- I bought my first home. Yeah, that would be last year. Yeah, it was last year. That was 2021. Yeah, and if it, if it wasn't, that's that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> like bring it on in. You can't bring it on in. So that's, that's yeah. absolutely amazing. I bought my house last year. Um, I've been wanting to be a homeowner my whole life, you know, and at some point I felt like that wasn't gonna happen, and then I finally. Realize my dream. So money well spent, yes. although I do get frustrated. Because <laughs> like so many projects and things you want to do to customize and make it your own. But 
Um, yeah. You're doing a great job at Thank it. Thank you. Um, for me, it would be the money that we're putting into our business. Um, for me, I see. <laughs> you don't have to steal anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, like every penny that we put towards uh, our business and making our dream happen makes me happy because I know that we're getting some return back on it. Whether yeah. it's just being making someone smile, that they have a cup of our coffee, or experiencing a great product, um, mm -hmm. that makes me really, really happy. So I would say the the money to the business. I like that. Yes. And I would say, <laughs> <laughs> I would say in addition to the money for the business, the uh, things that I feel particularly good about in the last year that, you know, I put money into is like some of the self-development things that we've done. Yeah. Um, things that are like fundamental for our knowledge and just how to maneuver in business, mm -hmm. not specifically the business, but in business. And, yeah. And also any cause that I support, you know, any cause yeah. that I believe in. Um, and those, so the charities that I support, the uh, self-development and like business foundational workshops and events like Dreamers Worldwide and all the things that we've attended over the last year and the money that we put into the business. Amazing. I love that. There you go. Love all right. Uh, if you received $1,000 right now, what would you do with it and why? Mm, if I received $1,000, what would I do with it right now? Let me think about that one. Mm, I would have to say that... For me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to tie back to education. In okay. all honesty, you know, um, again, because I, I I am a believer in serving. So mm -hmm. I trust me when I tell you, I would find a, a book. I would find a conference, you know, uh, continuing education, uh, mm -hmm. because the more I, I learn, the more I am better able to help my, my clients. And then the other thing for me would also be charity, you know, because it it all ties back to to service. You know, yeah. I, would, I would definitely give to causes that I care about. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think if I got a thousand dollars today, I would definitely want to um, invest it into Cafe Coco Latte. Mm -hmm. I would um, definitely want to take a financial class for businesses. Um, to learn a little bit more. Um, I feel like the more education we know about the financial aspect of running the business, the better. Yeah. Um, because I think in the long run for us, you know, we will be able to realize our dream of giving back yeah. and help other women become business owners because that's part of our, you know, motto internally is, you know, the more we help others, we get what we want. Yeah. Right. So that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, for me, I have, let me break it down. So, between battles, I'm not a joke. I would definitely want to try to touch so many different pieces. So, it would be a breakdown essentially where I would want money to go to the business, keep a little money for myself for some fun. Um, you know, definitely give back to those that have given back to us thus far and, you know, spread that money around. Um, and I would say that's about it. 
but you know, highlight on the keeping a little bit for myself. <laughs> I see you. I'm like, girl, yeah, we're going to talk to you. And yeah, no, in our business as well. Definitely. Yeah. Every day there seems to be something new that we need. Yeah, so absolutely would put that a little bit back into Cafe Coco Latte. Yes, yes. Likewise, I would put a portion of it to Cafe Coco Latte and a portion of it to causes of support. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Absolutely. Um, let's see. So let's um I, I wanna dig back into the um you mentioned something about psychology of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to get back to that before we, you know, continue. Yeah, because before I forget, <laughs> because you know, we've been talking about food and the psychology of food and our relationship with food mm-hmm. and how it's almost an emotional one. And when you said that, that kind of touched me. I'm like, you know, money is an emotional thing. It's like I. I say, and you know, a lot of financial people may disagree, like, oh, every time I get paid, I should be able to do something fun just for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like almost an emotional thing. Like if I don't do anything nice or fun for myself, I'm not, I'm not enjoying life. You know what I mean? And it's like, what is the psychology behind that and money and how it relates to us? Absolutely. So as I alluded to earlier, when we're talking about money, you know, the the budgeting, the tools and, you know, all of that other stuff, it's probably about mm, about 20 percent. You know, there and there's there has been research done on this is that our the emotional and psychological aspect of money is about 80 percent, you know, Um, so where does our, you know, our, like our feelings, our attitudes and our behaviors, where does all of this come from? Well, studies have shown that this stems from our childhood and, you know, from our parents. We've watched our parents, how they manage money. We've listened to the things that they've said about money, you know, whether they told us, oh, money doesn't grow on trees or we don't have any, stop asking, you know, all of those type of, you know, uh, comments, all of that has had an impact on how we think about money, our experiences with money. Maybe you've had a bad experience. Maybe you made a purchase. It didn't go the way you felt that it should. Maybe you're not good in math. I've heard people say, I'm not good in math, therefore I can't be good with money, you know? So a lot of these type of things that we're telling ourselves, our beliefs, you know, this this comes from our childhood. It comes from experiences that we've had. It also comes from, you know, once we get into adulthood, a lot of that stuff, it gets conditioned, you know, which means that after time, you know, you really start to believe this stuff. You know, your the people that you spend your time with, your community, that makes a difference. Do you spend mm-hmm. your time with people who are maybe spendthrifts, you know, and they're spending everything. They're not thinking about money in terms of, you know, how can I use this to save, to build wealth, you know? So our environment, it definitely matters. I know even in my own environment, I have friends that I know I can't go shopping with. Because I don't <laughs> I'm being, I'm being honest. I don't care what I buy. Oh, girl, that look good. And I'm like, oh, no, 
on. <laughs> you should get that. You know, we all have those friends. Yeah. You know? yeah. We love our friends. You know, they mean well and they want us to feel good, you know, but at the same time, we do have to be honest, you know, with ourselves and our budget and, you know, what are our goals for our money? You know, yeah. I think that, you know, we live in this society where everything is so consumer driven, you know, mm. and you have, you know, I, I read another book that talked about, you know, we are inundated with thousands and thousands of messages that tell us to buy, buy, buy. You know, And so when we go to the store and we're buying things that we don't need, we're not thinking about it because it's deep within our subconscious mind. And you you leave the store and you're like, why did I buy that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't need this. Shopping you know? remorse, yeah. bias remorse. Yeah, I get to the register, and when they tell me the total, I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't spend 130. There's no way, and I'm walking away after I swipe my card looking at the receipt, like, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, too, I think another thing is that um, like when you work a job and, and, you know, for me, I have a job that can be, you know, a little stressful sometimes. I think once that paycheck hit, I'm, I'm like, let me treat myself to something because I worked so hard. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like, I, it, what, are you, what are your thoughts about buying yourself something every paycheck? Should you avoid that that type of attitude or take a different route? Well, this is what I think. So. In, when I'm working with clients, you know, we start off with what are your values, you know, and this is important. It's really a five-step process. And we start with, with your values. What's important to you about money? What is it that you want your money to do for you? We start with that, you know, and we get a variety of answers. It could be, you know, I want my money to provide me with security. When I lost my job, you know, shortly after 911, the first time, you know, my main objective was I wanted financial security. I never wanted to be in a situation where I lost my job again and I did not have a foundation. I did not have an emergency fund. So understanding what your values are, that's job number one. You know, for some people, and it's going to it's going to vary from one person to the next because we're all unique. Our experiences around money, our path that we've taken, it's all going to be unique. So that's the first thing. The second is understanding what are your goals? What is it that you want to accomplish? Do you want to buy a home? Do you want to be debt free? So that's the next thing. And then from there, we basically, we set the goals and we want these goals to be tied to our values because that's important. When we have value-based goals, we're happier. You know, we're focused on what's important to us as opposed to looking at what your friends are doing, what your neighbors are doing. You know, you have your own plan. And yeah. then, then we start to get into, you know, that awareness around money. Where is the money going, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we get into the budget. And then lastly, we get into monitoring the budget. As far as going, I'm going to go back to your question. So as far as, you know, how do I feel about adding fun to your budget? I think that adding fun to your budget is important. I actually have a term for it. We call it fun bucks, you know? And so, <laughs> <laughs> so we do add a line item for fun bucks into our spending plan because it is important that we have a 
balanced spending plan. You want to have that, but we also want to make sure that we are accomplishing the things that are important to us. So we want to make sure that we have the line items for the savings, the retirement plan, if we have children and we care about helping them finance their college education, we want to make sure that we have those line items in there as well. So when we're talking about managing our money, we want to have our priorities in order. Yes. So um, we did sit down and talk about budgeting and um, came together to look at our individual finances as we, you know, embark on business to also have a budget in mind, you know, for the business as well. But I think one of the things that keeps a lot of people away from the budget is the seeing it all laid out, like seeing exactly what your expenses are versus your income. Uh, a lot of times is somewhat uh, surprising to people because and, and I'm not saying all people, but to some people, because it's like, if you don't see it line by line, then you don't have to like fully address it. So I right. think that is so important to like really see it, like really go over it month by month. Um, and I think just that exercise alone tends to help you be better with money. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I call that the come to Jesus moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you have, you know, and it and it can be hard. It really can, you know, because it when you have that moment when you're going through your bank statements and you're looking at where your money is going, it is like, ooh, I spent what on groceries? I spent what on eating out? How much money am I spending on this credit card? So it is that moment when you have to be real with yourself. But the the other part of that is that when you can face that head on, then you can start to create a plan. So if you don't like what you see, well, you have the power now to change it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So getting back to a few more questions that we had here. Um, when money comes into your life, kind of piggybacks off of what would you do with $1,000? When money comes into your life, what's the first thing that you want to do with it? Spend it, save it, or give it away? Uh, a little bit of all. <laughs> Probably. I think so. So when money comes to me, um, I invest. I like to invest. <laughs> so yeah. for me, that the first is usually going to be to invest, you know, whether it's in myself, it is for my retirement, it is for my business. So investing, that is important to me. The other thing that is important to me is giving back to causes that that matter. So those are probably the two biggest things for me. Um, I feel like I'm not a philanthropist. <laughs> I'm that part of my life because I'm over here like, look. I think you already are. You think you know, so? Absolutely. I think because you're setting yourself up to be able to give back to others. So that is the plan, the really near future plan. So if extra money coming to my life right now is more of split cafe coco latte if it's extra money all my bills are paid and i'm good mm -hmm. i would like to put some toward cafe coco latte spend some save some and you know give some away so i think even the giveaway part has to be a part of the budget so it doesn't have to be that you have this enormous amount of money mm -hmm. it can be small too like you know 
if there's a cause that you feel particularly passionate about that uh, allows for like monthly, you know, automatic whatever giveaway, ten dollars, twenty dollars, whatever. Mm-hmm. If that becomes a part of your budget and your monthly expense or whatever, you don't see it. You know, you don't miss it. So it doesn't have to be extra. It can just be built into the equation of your expenses. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it. it it helps you psychologically to feel good about giving back, mm-hmm. giving to Absolutely. a cause. Things yeah. like that. You know. Absolutely. And and I just want to emphasize what you said there is that it doesn't have to be big amounts. You yeah. Know? Take a look at your budget and see, you know, what can I afford to, you know, give to those causes that I care about? You know, and with anything, we can start small, even if you've never saved before. You know, I think it's important for people to understand, start where you are. The, what yeah. we, the key is to build the habit. That's what's most important is that even if you're starting with, I don't care if it's two dollars, I don't care if it's five dollars, just mm-hmm. start putting something away so that you can start building that habit. And as those funds accumulate, for most people, they're going to want to continue to contribute more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Did you guys want to tackle that question too? I did. I oh. kept uh, between all. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think first I always look at if the depending on the amount, is there something I can pay off, like a bill or uh-huh. something, an outstanding bill? Mm-hmm. Um, like when okay. we got those checks from. Facebook or whatever. Um, I didn't get my Facebook check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I immediately was like, "Oh, I could pay this bill. I could pay that bill." You know, mm-hmm. um, so I I do look at what outstanding debt I could pay off first, mm-hmm. and then you know save some or give it away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I think we'll do just one more. Maybe we hit them all. Oh, in ten years? No, no, no. Before that. Um, if you could trade financial lives with just one person, who would it be and why? Oprah. <laughs> you get a car and you get a car. <laughs> I love Oprah. That'll be my answer too. But outside of Oprah, I also put uh, uh, Mansa Musa, who was like, the wealthiest man in history. Mm-hmm. He had so much money. He was just like giving it away to people oh, in, yeah. in the mm-hmm. Mali Empire. So, like his his fortunes, if adjusted today, would probably be even more than Oprah. But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Um, it's not a race. I still pick you know, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think with Oprah, uh, she has that platform. You know, where it's like you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's an amazing thing about. Uh, uh, getting to pick and choose, I guess, who that, that person would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I got one more question for you, Renee, before we leave. Um, so I know we talked previous and a little bit um, about it, but living paycheck to paycheck. Like if someone came to you and they said, essentially, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, I'm just making ends meet or what I'm getting is not enough. Uh, where would you tell that person to start? So I think in a situation like that, you know, if a person is living paycheck to paycheck, we got one or two things that we can do. We can mm-hmm. either figure out how do we increase your income 
you know, whether that is, you know, through a pay raise or we take a look at, you know, what skills and talents do you have so that you can create a little side hustle, you know, additional income. So, you know, we either do that, we look at that income or the other alternative is to really take a look at those expenses and take a deeper dive into figuring out where the money is going, you know, and there are going to be cases where they really just don't make enough money. You know, and like I said, if that's the case, we've got to figure out how to increase the income, you know, and in other cases, it may be situations where, you know, there are subscriptions that are, you know, being paid out, but maybe you're not using that gym subscription anymore. You know, maybe you're going to the ATM, you know, multiple times during a week and you're paying additional fees or maybe you're making payments late all of these things, they have a cost that is associated with them, you know? So when I work with clients, I'm going through their bank statement with them line by line, and we're figuring out what can we cut out, Mm -hmm. you know? Figuring out, is there a place for us to, you know, cut something out, take a look at their insurance policies to see, is there an opportunity to get an insurance policy that has similar or the same coverage, but maybe you pay less on that, you know? Also focus on the big three. The big three is the the home, the groceries slash entertainment, and then also auto, you know? Mm -hmm. Auto, we're spending so much money on cars, a depreciating asset that is just amazing. I just had a post on my social media page on buying a maybe a certified used car versus buying a new car, you know, and how you can keep your cars longer and take that money and save it, you know. But I go through each line item on their bank statements and their credit cards, and we look for (laughs) savings. Look for waste, you know, find ways that we can actually, you know, cut back on certain expenses, focusing on, you know, what are the absolute needs and making sure that those needs are met. And then seeing, do we have room for some of those wants? Mm -hmm. And I think those are our really great tips. And I occasionally do this from time to time where I'm like, I'm getting rid of cable. I am calling companies to like save money on something because at the end of the day, they're going to try to keep your business. So if you have to call your cell phone company (coughs) to see what is the latest offer or um, Comcast, they are forever going to try to throw something else at you to keep you with them uh, Mm -hmm. versus getting rid of you as a customer, which I did that recently and, you know, have an opportunity to save about, uh, $60 a month on my bill. Oh, so wow. that's so a that, big and, um, I, I had purchased a life insurance policy through the credit union and I'm starting to look at that now, like, huh, this is a little bit higher. I wonder if there's a, either a smaller policy mm-hmm. or another company that offers a policy that will have, um, similar mm-hmm. coverage at a lower cost. Because through my <coughs> employer, um, they, you know, obviously I have insurance through my employer, but also they offer us a whole life policy now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, huh, do I even need this extra policy? Or, you know, so I want to review my options on that. Um, but that's a great tip. And also just saving whatever you can, even if it's um, 
you know, I have a set dollar amount each pay period that goes to my savings that I don't even count as money that exists. So when I see my paycheck, I minus that amount and it's like, okay, I have this amount of money to work with. So for anyone out there, it could be $10, it could be $25 a pay period, $50, $75, whatever it is that you won't miss, um, you know, and less Starbucks trips a week, you know? So I really cut down on fast food to the point where it's like, I'm just going to eat whatever I I cook at home. And then I might have that for leftovers for lunch because I work at home. So I don't have to go anywhere. Um, But And it's normally meatloaf. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that... That's so funny. I'm going to piggyback off of what you said, because I'm getting ready to to I'm doing some research now on, you know, just what you guys are talking about savings. And I read an article that said that Americans waste 40 percent of food. That's a big deal. And it said from a from the standpoint of a family, it could equate to like over eighteen hundred dollars a year. That's a lot of money. A lot of a lot of people like. Um, personally, I, I eat leftovers. I will eat this. I know I'm going to eat this for three days. If I make meatloaf, Absolutely. I'm going to have for dinner tonight and lunch for the next two days mm-hmm. because I'm not spending this money and meatloaf lasts a long time. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> she would, I would always be like, okay, what are you going to eat for dinner? What are you going to eat for dinner? And Bianca's like, I got my meatloaf set up and everything. <laughs> and I'm like, that to me is more of an easier setup. You know, you know, working from home too, um, we all three do. And it's like, it's just an easier process to not have to then go out and go to the grocery. You know, you can kind of take care of that. For the week or for that two week time frame. Yeah. So I admire that you're doing that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm catching on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's kind of childhood too. Like we would have meals that would last, like spaghetti, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. spaghetti and, you know, butter bread. That's going to last yeah. us for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. You know, you make that pot of spaghetti. So it's all about food that's going to stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Yeah. And meal prepping. We did meal prepping for some time. And then I know we kind of fell off. And then we, do it again occasionally here and there, but meal prepping helps because then you don't have to think about it. Or if you cook something that you know you have leftovers, you know, you don't have to think about it. And sometimes when we don't have either leftovers or have prepped for a few days, it's like, forget it, I'm not cooking it. You just order something, DoorDash, whatever. Um, and, you know, it adds up really fast. It really does. Mm-hmm. It does. It's like you're trying to do so many other different things, it's like, we don't have no money for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like yeah. jelly toast and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Renee, what would be five tips? Uh, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but what would be five tips you would give um, someone who's watching this and don't know where to start or feel like they, they don't make enough to do anything? What would be five tips? that you would give? You know what? I would say, because we we talked about a little bit about the emotional side of money. And so one of the things I'm going to say is that, you know, check your mindset, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's, that's so important. Just check how you are interacting with your money. 
you know, and if you're telling telling yourself things like, oh, I'm not good with money, you know, I'm never going to be good with money, you know, that's going to be the first thing is really just dial into your relationship with money, because it could be a situation where because you're telling yourself these type of stories, you know, your mindset, it's not going to make a liar out of you. So mm -hmm. you're going to begin to do things in your behavior that basically repel money away from you, mm -hmm. you know? So I would say one, check your mindset, you mm -hmm. know, and make sure you have the right mindset for bringing money into your life. Money is energy. And so we want to make sure that we are, that we are operating from a place of abundance and believing that you want, you deserve it. You know, not not to say that you deserve to go out and spend a whole bunch of money, but understand right. <laughs> that you deserve, you know, to have money come into your life, you yeah. know. So that's the one thing I would say. Two is awareness. You know, where is that money going? And is it in alignment with the things that aren't that's important to you? OK, so making sure that wherever your money is in, is going, that it's where you really want it to go and that we're not being distracted by all of these things that are happening in our lives. And then I would probably say educate yourself, you know, uh, whether it's taking a course, whether it's spending your time with like minded people who are, you know, not afraid to have conversations around money. Um, ask the questions, you know, uh, just make sure that you are engaging in financial literacy because that's huge. That's a really, really big deal to the extent that we have that knowledge. We're able to make informed financial decisions and that's empowering. So uh, those are the top three and I have to come up with five. <laughs> okay. So let me think, what else would I say? Um, it could be three. Those are some heavy hitters you gave us. Absolutely. Yeah, well, th I think those are the ones that are I think uh, that are really important. And um, just believing that it's possible, and that whatever it is that you want to do in life, you can do it. You want to mm -hmm. learn how to invest, you know, you can do that. You just have to go out and get the skill set in order to be able to do that. You know, I, I think the other things that I would say too is to tell people not to have shame, guilt, and regret around money. We've all made decisions that we wish we can go back and change, you know? Use those experiences as an opportunity to learn, and then you just grow from there. And then I think the other thing, too, is that if you have children, share with your kids, educate your children so that they can grow up and feel confident around making decisions with their money as well. Yeah, that last one is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, we all kind of touched on a little bit about how growing up, we we didn't have like a transparent view of what our parents' financial situation was. And they probably would have shoot us away if we tried to be like, well, let's right. hell, let, let us see the family financial budget yeah. and all that. <laughs> but, but that's something I'm willing to do with my kids now, mm -hmm. you know, but it was a different time and place. And I'm like, you know, um, the only way that money is going to be managed better, you know, in our community at large is if we start with the younger generation, we start with the kids, we teach them about money, 
and be more transparent and open about our family financial situation so that they too can learn, you know, from an early age to value money and to uh, treat it properly, not just to be, you know, something to go out and, you know, buy the best toy or clothes or whatever, you know, like there are um, necessary ways in which you need to manage your money. So I think the younger we start talking about money, the better. Yeah, I definitely was very transparent uh, with my son from a young age, like, look, Mm -hmm. we get new shoes for school, $50 Fifty dollars is what I got. So, mm-hmm. and I remember, and you know, going, talking about that shame and that guilt. I remember my son was in Kids Foot Locker in North Riverside, and he was picking up shoes, and he was like, "Is this too much? Mm. Is this too much?" And I remember in that moment, I like literally even thinking about it right now, I kind of want to cry. Like, cry. I, I was like so embarrassed because it was like. I can only afford a $50 pair of shoes, mm-hmm. but I was a single mom at that time. Yeah, like, that's mom. all I had. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think it's important to have those conversations. Yes. You know, it is to say, hey, this is our budget, you know, and our kids, they understand that and they get that. And it teaches yeah. your children how to shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this child, I can't get him to shop for himself. <laughs> He's like, I need some stuff, but I ain't spending my money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, but we we raised two very frugal. <laughs> we got we both got sons in the early twenties who they really try not to spend Nothing their girl. money for <laughs> sure. Stevie's <laughs> <laughs> not too bad with spending my money, but. Right. You know, he, he was always budget conscious, even mm-hmm. with spending my money. But they definitely ain't not spend. trying to spend their yeah. money. Yet. I mean, like Kaylin, exactly. just buy exactly. a couple shirts, yeah. a couple. He's like, ah, I don't know. I'm trying to spend my money on something else. Yeah. Um, and then it'll get to the point where I'll be like, well, do you want me to? Do <laughs> right. You have to buy the things. You that have you need. to get yeah. these things. Yeah. Right. Like, come on. So. I don't know yeah. if we overdid it a little yeah, bit. Probably did. <laughs> I'm very transparent. Like even now, I'm transparent about my salary. I'm transparent about yeah. bills. Like, look, this pay period, I spend this much on bills, rent, uh, mortgage, groceries, whatever. And then I have this much to work with after everything is spent. And this mm-hmm. is what I do with it. So, yeah. um, yeah, because I, I I keep stressing to him, like, when he leaves me, he just graduated college December of last year. I was like, when you leave me, thank you. I was like, when you leave me, I want your student loans to be paid off, and I want you to be moving into a property that you own. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to get him really, which he's handling it, you know, mm-hmm. paying back his student loans. The private student loans, the public ones, he hasn't had to start paying those yet. Right. But like paying back his student loans, and he's like has a little chart yeah. in his room. And he, I'm like, this is crazy. Like I would have never done that mm-hmm. in his age. That's but, great. Yeah, he's on top of it. Mm-hmm. I can tell growing, growing up in my home, I, we had the, the notebook. So we did have the financial. Everybody come down, sit down, and let's talk about what's going on. 
And and then at some point when I became a single parent, everything just got scary for me. Yeah. And you know, coming from that solid foundation, and then it's like now you're on your own. It's hard. When yeah. You're a single parent yeah. Because I've definitely had those conversations with them. Like, look, the fifty dollars pair of shoes is the best shoes. Those are always gonna fit your feet. Uh, but my daughter is very good with money. Like she, uh, she's. Oh, 60. that's good. Yeah, she just um. Uh, got her first job, you know, and they're a stickler to like, mm-hmm. do I really need these things before mm-hmm. I buy them? And yeah, she's the same where she would rather I buy it than. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, you know, these young people—they're something else. They're so smart. And you, you yeah. one of the things that that I just want to emphasize too is just that whole idea of understanding your needs versus your wants. Yeah. You know, I think that's just so important. And and I think with the with the young adults, you know having that awareness over where their money is going, you know, that's, that's huge. That is yeah, really sure. a big deal. You guys have raised financially conscious adults. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful. Financially conscious. My son recently moved out to an apartment because he's doing the city here in Chicago for the years so he needed to be in the city, but he, basically shopped for everything out of our house. Give them everything they need. Like, you know, we used to start them off for I said, but no, we don't have nothing like that. <laughs> and like, he like cleared the pantry, the freezer. Like, uh, he, he had a list of stuff he wanted, like the iron and iron board. I'm like, if you don't go to Walmart, <laughs> like, I'm not. <laughs> so right. like, yeah. This is easy shopping. You can't come to my house with a shopping. Right, with a grocery <laughs> list. That's so funny. <laughs> my husband's like, just give it to them. You know, this this, this their first apartment. Yeah. I'm like, who about to go to the store? Well, <laughs> that's so funny. Speaking of family, it was one more thing I wanted to discuss. We all mm-hmm. have parents near retirement age. Uh-huh. Um, what tips would you give? Because I listen, I can't. I can't get my mother to retire, <laughs> but I think it's scary for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's the financial aspect or more, they feel like, what are they going to do next? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what tips do you give people who are ready to retire or soon to be ready to retire? So it's just one of those things that you that you just mentioned is really helping them to understand what does retirement look like for them? Because a lot of times people are not really thinking about retirement, you know, even when retirement is just a few years away, because mm-hmm. our jobs are often tied to who we feel that we are, you know, mm-hmm. you know, our identity, you know. So when we're talking to people and we introduce ourselves, a lot of times we'll say, oh, I'm Renee, I'm CPA you know, I'm a business owner, you know, so my job, you know, or what I do is oftentimes, you know, that it's tied to my identity. And so once I don't have my business anymore, what else is there, you know? And so that's what a lot of people are going through when they get to that place where they have to make a decision about retirement, you know, they're thinking about things like, you know, what am I going to do? What is my everyday life going to look like, you know? Um, how will I fill up 24 hours a day? You know, so people are thinking about those things. And sometimes, yes, they are also thinking about, you know, the money aspect of it. So I tell people that I'm working with one, 
identify, define what does retirement look like to you? What do you want to do? You know, do you think you're going to stay where you are? Do you want to travel? You know, do you want to relocate, you know? So they're just, they have to go through that process of really understanding what that life looks like for them. And then once they've determined that, you got to figure out, you know, do you have enough to fund it? Yeah. You know, yeah. do you have enough money, you know, that you save or through pensions or social security, if you have enough money so that you can live in that lifestyle. So I want them to do a budget, you know, once they've, once they've identified what's important to them, what retirement looks like, then we're going to create a budget, you know, to make sure that they can actually retire with that quality of life that they desire. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a word association that we need to change is people in retirement say, well, you know, I'm on a fixed income. And it's mm -hmm. like, we're all on a fixed income. Yeah. Our, our income mm -hmm. when we're working doesn't really fluctuate. I would only say that for most people in retirement phase, they might get pay monthly versus bi-weekly or semi-monthly so mm -hmm. it's just your pay schedule has changed yeah your income may be less than it was when you were working but it sometimes is very similar to or even a little more but the fixed income scary tech scare term <laughs> needs to be somehow revamped in people's mind i'm like it's not like my paycheck really fluctuates i'm on a fixed income too <laughs> yeah yeah right. Yeah, a lot of it is mindset. You know, a lot of it goes right back to that mindset uh, around, you know, what does, you know, what does retirement look like? You know, and it can be a little scary, too, because you don't you no longer have that income, you know, from your job. Now you're either getting a pension or you have to create an income stream for yourself based on the assets that you've saved. Yeah. So how do we get ready to retire too? Yes. <laughs> I just lay off your website. <laughs> okay, absolutely. It goes back to to that five step process that I talked about, you know, and that is understanding, you know, the values, you know, taking a look at your goals, you know, and even if you're 10, 15 years away from retirement, you may not be able to see the complete picture, you know, but you may have a sense of what you want your retirement to look like, you know. Um, so you want to start identifying that as soon in the process as possible. And then when I'm working with clients, we actually have a software that we use based on what retirement looks like to you, what other goals you have, what type of pensions you're going to be receiving, your social security assets that you built up. We look at all of that. And then we start to map out what that plan is going to look like. How much money should you be saving in retirement, saving towards retirement? And where do you save that money? Because that's very important as well. So where do you, you save it? And then we compare that also to, you know, what income that's pretty much guaranteed. You know, a lot of people don't have pensions, you know. Uh, so for those who don't, we're looking at Social Security and we're trying to figure out what gaps do we have and then how do we fill those gaps? So what I would say for people who are maybe 10, 15 years out is to start thinking about it. Start thinking about it. What does that look like for you? Just try to guesstimate because that's all it is. 
It's just a guesstimate of what retirement may look like. And then from there, it's it's a plan of creating a plan of putting monies into that retirement account and make sure that they're allocated in a way that actually allows you to build towards that retirement goal. Yeah, that's all good information. And I'm like sitting here as you're talking, I'm like, okay, now I need to make a list. <laughs> Absolutely. Your website again is ready to retire to T O. Yeah, so it is uh yeah, it is uh retire ready inc.com or retire ready too.com so both will take you to the website perfect yes one last question for you renee just because i'm curious uh do you have like a favorite financial celebrity personality type like the budgetista or susie orman or dave ramsey any of those or mm, 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 that is a good question that's a really good question um because i'm familiar with all of them and, and I think for me, I don't know that I have anyone that I would say is my favorite. I have taken things from all of them mm-hmm. and used them where they apply yeah. because um, they're all speaking from a general sense mm-hmm. and general rules don't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. So depending on the client that I'm working with and that client's needs, there may be something that Dave Ramsey has said that would apply to that particular client. And so I may use that. It may be mm-hmm. something that Susie has had said to a, a client or some advice that she gives. And I use that, you know, and I like the budget needs. So she's just funny to watch, you know, yeah. <laughs> she's such a great educator, you know. Uh, so I enjoy, you know, watching her show as well. But I don't think that there's anybody that stands out where I can say that, you know, that's my favorite. You know, I you, think you're your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you say, you're, you're your favorite. Your favorite. Oh, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I that because I think in our industry, we all learn from one another. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we do. I, we I like that. I'm like, I'm like you. I like take from whatever I feel I can apply. If I hear something great that Susie says or the budgetista, Dave Ramsey, you know, I did uh, the baby steps ish, you know. <laughs> but right. yeah, yeah. I, uh, so yeah, I like to just, you know, grab what I can from whoever's talking, you know. Now I got. Some more tools from Renee today. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna go hard on the finances. So yeah. I feel empowered and we thank you so much Absolutely. for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. I love just talking about you know how we can empower ourselves, how we can take control of our money so that we can make those informed decisions and so mm-hmm. that we can pass on the wealth. Absolutely. And create that generational wealth to, you know, move on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. you. (laughs) Okay, guys. Take care now. You too. Absolutely.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Guys, that was amazing. So this is my phenomenal. I feel like we're stepping into this bigger realm for my, when it comes to money. So it's mm-hmm. like we have to know this. We yeah. have to know, you know, how to make a dollar out of fifteen cents. Out of fifteen cents. Yeah, and it's important. I mean, money has to be respected. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like, you know, what you do with your money, how you manage it, shows you know how. How do you respect money? I also think it's it's more of the education. It's For like sure. you only know what you know, and sometimes people don't know to know more. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's like you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know, and you know I know some people will be like, "Well, educate yourself," but if everyone around you is functioning in the same way with money. You don't know mm-hmm. to know that yeah. you need to know better. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Um, but I think it takes life experience. And for me, it's like being in a workplace with other people and just hearing how they move. For mm-hmm. example, I had quite a few Hispanic coworkers where they communal living, like, they had generations of people living in the same building. And one, for example, that stood out, he lived with his um, parents and family, and um, they made decisions on, like, if he wanted to buy a car, he had to go to his family first Mm -hmm. and ask, like, you know, Mm -hmm. can I buy this car or whatever. And when he was younger, you know, a, a family member put him on a credit card as mm-hmm. an authorized user. So by the time he got old enough, he, he was able to, yeah, he had credit. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then hearing that at first, I was like, well, that's why you gotta ask your, your parents or your family if you could buy a car, it's your you money, you got a day. job, mm-hmm. you work every day. But when he explained it, I was like, well, that makes sense, right? Yeah. And, right <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's like. You know, once I got out and started to hear, you know, watch Oprah and see Susie Orman or, um, you know, hear how other people live, it made sense, yes. you know, that maybe I'm missing something here. I need yeah. to, like, look more into it. My yeah. family can collectively work together and everybody bring the, the money together smartly. I think that's a great thing to do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's somewhat shocking to me that some folks, even in relationships, marriages, whatever, partnerships that live under one roof don't discuss money mm-hmm. or keep their money separate. Like, he don't need to know how much I make. She don't need to be worried about what's in my account. And I'm like, but I always feel like you can always do something better together. Like, yeah, yeah. For sure. it can only be beneficial and for I you to pool still, the resources together. Yeah, and <laughs> I think still it's okay to keep your list of money. <laughs> you know, keep your sad money. It's not, it's not, if, if it's not, you know, hurting the budget or if it's something that you just want to save for, for yourself, I think that that, I think that's okay. Yeah, I think, it's a, I, think, <laughs> I think it's okay to have uh expendable cash each person mm-hmm. but i think there doesn't have to be a secret a about secret it. About Absolutely. It. Yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. that's what i'm saying yeah. i think that it's okay to have your side money but that the other your partner no yeah right. Right. like you know i got money you got money and we got money together, together. yeah yeah because yeah. 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 you know yeah. 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 What's mine is mine. What's yours is mine. I need to find out where the funds are. I need to find out where the funds are. 
done. No, no secrets. Absolutely no secrets about it. But I definitely think that, you know, collectively coming together and spending your money and budgeting together as a family is the best thing for a lot of families. But, um, I don't think you can always do better together, but you might have one person that's either more financially responsible or more committed to, you know, making sure that the oh the main goals are achieved first. I think sure. it's per- it's perfectly fine with having one person designated as maybe the financial manager, mm-hmm. but that everybody should be aware of the financial situation. Because back when I did work in the mortgage industry, when that mortgage crisis hit back in 20, 2008, I think it was, yeah. yet when um, everything fell out, it was really crazy how many families did not know what was going on like there was a guy who committed suicide versus telling his wife where they were financially but then Mm. once he was gone she found out like she didn't even know the house was in foreclosure until he committed suicide and left the note saying that he had been keeping that from her and then it was like a scramble to try to save her home you know Mm -hmm. so it's like everybody needs to know what's going on financially in the household um, to a lot of times, that if it's just one person that manages everything, somebody passes away. The person not only are they dealing with the distraught of the loss of that person, they're they don't even know where to begin to like pay the bills, who to pay, you know, yeah. things like that. It's important. It's very important, and you know, unfortunately, was well, fortunately, fortunately, that was not my experience when my husband passed. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about bills, and you know, I pretty much knew who to know, pay, what who to, to pay, where to do, where where everything was. But when I worked at a car dealership, there were so many people they were coming to sell their spouse's car, and they they were just you know pouring into me all. I don't even know where to begin. I don't know mm. who he banks with or who she banks right. with. Right, don't have access to I anything. don't know. You like, I have to go through all this process and there's so much paperwork and and I felt so bad. But it's like yeah. a lot of people, um, especially women, unfortunately, let the husbands handle everything and they'll take the back burner. And then if something happens to them, they're you're picking up the pieces. They're lost. Right. Yeah. Name, name a beneficiary or stuff, too. That makes everything Even easier. your bank account. Yeah. You can go into Chase, <laughs> Bank of America, whoever, and say, hey, I want to add a beneficiary yeah. to my bank account. Everything yeah. easier because once somebody passes away, if there's no beneficiary and there's no will, but even with wills and stuff, just name the beneficiary. So they, things that they need readily access to, they can access to right away yep. but all the other stuff yeah you might have to go to probate and get the you may lawyer. not you so, may or may not but I, something add i did yeah add a benefit something i did through a lot of employers have free legal services or you could get paid legal services mm-hmm. ten dollars to pay fair yeah. 20 whatever it is I literally used mine and did a whole will power attorney transfer of deed for my house if anything happens to me. I did a whole uh, estate planning, estate planning mm-hmm. so that if anything happens, here here's everything. Okay. Like, here's what you do. And then like if something happened and um, for the house, Kaylin doesn't have to go through probate. Yeah. He, he, he transferred the directly to him. Right. He's good to go. Yeah. So it's, it's good to set all those things up. If you yeah. have those services offered through your employer, sometimes they offer for free. Utilize them. There's a lot of like 
little benefits and value added services that are often a part of your employer package that people just don't use. They don't use the employee assistance program. Those little voluntary benefits that are low in cost, like uh, have it. critical illness, accidental death, yeah. disability, I'm on it. Yeah, all of they those things. Okay, yes, it pays <laughs> off. I was glad that I had the critical illness. I wasn't planning to get critically ill, but guess what? I did. Was it helpful to have a critical illness policy? Yes, indeed. Short-term disability, you don't pay 100%. Yeah. Most of us need 100% of our paycheck, not 60%, not 80%. So it was good to have that in addition to. So One that- thing that stood out and that will remain standing out, I think, for us and for people and what you should take away from this conversation is education on finances. Education. Uh, yeah. You know, if it's a matter of just following someone that is financially in the know of how to do things. Um, And if you have a partner or a child, um, bring them along in this education process because there's so much that you can do with money when you're when you educate yourself about it. So Absolutely. I think we should end it on that because that is the word for the day. <laughs> yes. That is the word of the day. So um education is key. And if you don't know where to start, start somewhere. Like yes. figure it out. Don't be scared. Take the fear away. Don't be but yeah. um yeah, there we go, guys. There so, go. guys, we thank you again thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. for coming on this financial money matters journey with us. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, okay. Get, get your Cafe Coco Latte coffee. Yes, visit us at cafecocolatte.com. That is cafecocolatte.com. Uh, for our, our decaf lovers, we talked to our roaster today. We have some great news coming for you guys. So yes. stay tuned. Uh, we have not forgotten about you. And yes, go to the website and order yourself some coffee. We absolutely love it. And as always, keep, keep it. it. Hello, everybody. I'm writer Jacqueline Stewart, and I'm super excited to be right here on What's Brewing Sis podcast. I first want to thank you ladies so much for taking the time to read my book, and not just that, but for sharing the story of Tanya's journey of forgiveness with your community. This is a story that encompasses losing love, healing, forgiveness, self-discovery, friendship, and finding love again. I want you to take time to read it and then join me right back here on September 29th. Two seconds. Keep it brewing. Pause. Intro. Um. Will that be our thumbnail pose? Okay. Oh, it's a dumb thumbnail. Look at the camera. Okay. Crazy. I didn't see, but I didn't you look crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So. Welcome to another episode of What's Wrong, Sis? I'm Shelly. I'm Bianca. And I'm Deanna. And here we come together to serve the brew. We are talking money, 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 money. Money, money, money. Money, money, money. Because money matters. At the end of the day, we need money to, you know, live. (laughs) And can hold on to some of it if we save it and and use it the right way. That part. 
wealth is for us. Yes. 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 What else can I say? <laughs> So, okay. 